Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. And Joe, uh, we talked about it before, uh, in college football, you have the regular season, and then when you get to the offseason, there's multiple seasons within that. you got the silly season. Coaches going places. Where are they going to take a new job? Is Tennessee ever going to get John Gruden? He's always going to be the number one candidate for any Tennessee opening. Uh, Nick Saban's going to go to Texas. He's going to go to Michigan. He's going to go to insert job. Then you have scandal season. And right now in college football, we've skipped silly season, and now we've gone into scandal season. And the biggest one out there is the Les Miles scandal. He gets fired from Kansas this week over allegations of what he did back in 2013 to 2016 at LSU, where supposedly he hired uh, student interns that were attractive, that he harassed by doing things like texting them, messaging them, being alone with them, and then one said that Les Miles even kissed her. And then now uh, it's been used by Kansas to fire him, and it seems like LSU is trying to throw him under the boss and maybe use him as the scapegoat and greater problems they have with uh, their culture and their football program there. That's right, Dan. Just a few observations I had about the story. You know, I can't get past the fact that Les Miles had had his struggles as the coach of Kansas. Um, you know, they had some momentum the first year, but last year they went winless. It was combined 3-18 in two seasons at Kansas. But he had three years left in his contract, you know, buyout. So Kansas was definitely going to ride the ship with their um, lack of play, uh, football success over the last decade. They really had nothing to lose by keeping West Miles. Um, they have not won more than three games as a program since 2009, back in the days of Mark Mangino. And so, you know, who knows what the rest of the tenure at Kansas would have held for Los Miles. But your point about the scapegoat, I think, is, is really compelling. It's going to be fascinating to see the rest of this story as the Les Miles legal team you know, tries to kind of battle this going forward. Um, you know, more than likely will spell the end of uh, Les Miles' head coaching career. At the age of 67, you know, I'd be really surprised if he gets another chance again. Um, but I was talking to you earlier about one other interesting note is that the um, athletic director um, was also fired uh, today, um, just a couple of days after uh, Les Miles was dismissed. And what's interesting, Joe, is Jeff Long, the athletic director at Kansas that hired Les Miles, was also the athletic director at Arkansas who hired Bobby Petrino. So one of those is, is a proven allegation of Bobby Petrino basically having an affair with uh, the swimming and diving team's uh, wife, then bringing her on as an assistant that he paid a couple hundred thousand dollars a year basically so he could keep his paramour in the office, which is an absolutely terrible story. Uh, and then now he brings in Les Miles, so you have these these rumors of him having inappropriate relations with uh, you know LSU students. And so it's kind of funny that those are two of his hires right there. And, you know, I guess it might be a worried thing for anyone that wants to hire him as an athletic director. Yeah, I mean, luckily for Kansas basketball, Bill Self was hired long before uh, Jeff Long was ever in Lawrence, Kansas. But it's 
certainly is troubling with that trend. Um, and some of the criticism that Jeff Long, I think, got when he hired Plus Miles was, you know, at the end of the day, Kansas had nothing to lose by going after somebody with the national championship on their resume. But some critics looked at the situation where Jeff Long and Les Miles did have a previous friendship with their days in Michigan in the 1980s and early 1990s. And so some people really kind of thought that Long didn't necessarily um, put forth a national search when he, when he hired his friend. Yeah, I would say that's about the same level of a national search that Danny White, uh, Tennessee's new athletic director, did when he hired Josh Heupel who literally worked for him at UCF right before Danny White left UCF to go to Tennessee, yet they paid the Parker search firm and other people to do a national search when he just went out and literally hired the guy that was working for him before he left a month ago. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Which I think, you know, you and I were talking earlier, you, you had mentioned that Dick Cheney was selected by George Bush to go find the perfect vice president for George Bush. And he said, well, how about me? That's what my search leads to. I'm obviously the perfect vice president. Exactly. Um, but Joe, on this last miles thing, you know, I find it such a weird story because I always thought the less miles was a weird guy, but it just seemed like a good weird. Like he made you laugh. He ate grass. He made comments like, I want to go give all my players kisses if they were girls, <laughs> but it just seemed like it was all, it was all good hearted, you know, like there was never seemed like there was anything wrong with what he was doing. And that's why I find the story. Like, I'm not saying I don't believe it, but just the timing of it's weird to me. You have LSU embroiled in all of this controversy about the way they, they, they treat uh, sexual assault, rape allegations amongst their football players about the safety of women at LSU's campus. And then you have Les Miles, which just seems like a guy that wouldn't really engage in this kind of stuff, get thrown these kind of, you know, rumors against him. And I don't know, man. It seems just kind of suspicious to me. No, it really does. And that's why, you know, as we alluded to earlier, I'm going to be fascinated by the rest of this story and see kind of what transpires going forward. Because as you talked about, it, it almost kind of feels like a classic uh, – scapegoat for an LSU program that, you know, not only is their football team dealing with this right now in the football program, we know about the well-documented uh, controversy surrounding uh, the basketball and their, their allegations with that um, FBI probe. So I think that with Les Miles, it was surprising too, because you talk about how, you know, he's just kind of an eccentric guy and, you know, he, he was kind of weird in a good way and he kind of felt like that, fit LSU's program mm. and he kind of, you know, um, it did some of that, you know, showmanship, you know, for what the LSU fans wanted. Yeah, I mean, you know, the real question is whether Les Miles ever made an inappropriate advance and made a strong bass offer and put it on <laughs> and put it on on the FBI airwaves. I feel like, you know, if you had something real, you, you know, like, could you have something more than what you have against Wade right now? And so that's why I feel like you dig this up like eight years later. You have someone that's caught on FBI tapes saying that he's making a strong offer to a player that ultimately gets found to have probably been paid an FBI investigation. You don't do anything to him. Then eight years later, someone digs this up on, on Les Miles, and this comes out. And like I said, timing just seems weird to me. No, it, it does. And I also wonder, you know, 
same fallout had he been in a program with more tradition in college football. You know, if he was still at LSU versus being at Kansas. Right, he was still at LSU and he had done what, let's say, Orgeron did a couple years ago. Does he get fired? I mean, we talked about Bobby Petrino earlier. Uh, it took Arkansas and, ironically, Jeff Long a very long time to fire Bobby Petrino over what was an awful thing that we talked about. And then, meanwhile, in this circumstance, Les Miles gets booted within a week. You know, So it just shows you that when you're doing good, they'll look for any reason they can to keep you. But when things aren't going great, and the best thing you did is you beat one top 25-ranked Boston team in Boston your first season, they'll get rid of you. All right, Joe. Well, speaking of scandals, we'll move out of uh, LSU's less miles and then Kansas being getting rid of miles. And, you know, if it is true that he did what they said he did, then he's definitely miles from what we thought he was. Uh, to Auburn. And Auburn's embroiled in a different kind of uh, student uh, allegation, you know, in the Kansas situation. Uh, they accused less miles of bringing in uh, attractive interns to the football program and, uh, you know, being inappropriate with them. And you and I like, made comments. Uh, if you look across at major college football, pretty much all the student interns that gets hired tend to be attractive women. That just is, is the way it is. I mean, it, you know, if you look at any sideline, it looks like that. So that's kind of a, a you know, interesting, like, you know, scapegoat to throw out there. Auburn, meanwhile, is on the academic side of it. Uh, you have a football player. He hasn't been named in this uh, complaint, but if you look at the context clues, you know who he is. Uh, and it's J.J. Wilson, the guy that transferred from Arizona State. Apparently, he needed to have a two. He had three classes, and he needed to have a D in one of them and two Cs. And instead, he had two Ds and a C. And he had a test check grade change like right before the bowl game that Auburn played against Minnesota. And his academic advisor, uh, who was African-American, uh, didn't know anything about this. And apparently every time there was a grade change, he usually knew about it that day. And he basically alleges that he brought this to the attention of a lot of the people within Auburn's athletic department and their compliance department. And they kind of laughed him off about it. And later... Um, they got mad at him and said, why didn't you report this to us? This is something that is a fireable offense for you not reporting. And he feels that he got fired for uh, racially motivated reasons. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, having been someone that worked uh, at Ole Miss in athletic, uh, you know, as a tutor for, for student athletes, uh, you are supposed to report that stuff right off the bat. But the question is, like, did he really know about it? And, you know, was that really something he should have gotten fired about? Or was there some kind of animus to it? I find it to be kind of an interesting case. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. And it's just been a tough year for um, Trace Thomas because I was reading uh, a year or two ago that his wife died of cancer. And then obviously the pandemic, and I think he's a single parent now, and, you know, fallout from this. And so, so obviously, you know, you feel for him, and you know, on a less important note, you know, we'll see how this story uh, goes the rest of the way. I know that here on the you know Dan and Joe Sports Show, we'll certainly uh, follow it closely with our you know always keeping up with uh, both Auburn and Ole Miss athletics. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one that I'll be following a lot because it'll show the inner workings of, you know, the way the, the student-athlete department works at, at Auburn and in terms of the support they give. And, you know, it's not, it's not different for college professors to change grades. It happens all the time. Uh, I mean, I remember in college that I had a course that, interestingly enough, had a lot of student-athletes in it, but it was one that if you showed up for the final exam, basically the professor would automatically do everything he could to try and bump your letter grade off. If you showed up and did it, he gave an optional final exam. And a lot of people still chose not to show up, but basically everyone who did, he bumped them off. And that's something that a lot of professors do like period. And so I don't necessarily think that's proof in and of itself, but it is interesting that he had to get that one grade in order to play and he did get it. And then I think there was also something that they needed one more player to be eligible in order to be, you know, to meet some kind of quota and that having him get it got him in this quota. So that's also kind of interesting that it worked out the way they did when apparently this professor off the, in the beginning would not change the grade. So it's going to be interesting to see what they, they dig up on that. But, yeah, I mean, from a, from a human standpoint, he makes a very compelling plaintiff. Uh, he's a guy that apparently, uh, you know, went to Auburn, grew up, I think, in Montgomery, so close by. He had a chance to go work at – like I was another big like time school. I think it was like a Michigan or a Penn state. And he chose to stay at home and, and work at Auburn. And cause that was the, the team that he wanted. And then he's, I think the only African American in his department. And then he gets fired over this. And, you know, just kind of, kind of interesting, uh, you know, what, what's being put out there. Not the kind of guy you usually think of as being a whistleblower. Yeah, yeah definitely. Who was that school a couple of years ago, maybe it's a decade ago, it was like getting ready for the Music City Bowl and they apparently uh, cheated on some exams for like a music theory class. Ironically, I can't remember who that was. I remember North Carolina had a big issue with the, for the basketball team. It, there was like one program, like one specific class that all their players were being funneled towards. And this is something that happens in a lot of schools. I mean, Auburn had one, too, that I think actually one of the guys that got mentioned is somebody that I had one of his classes when I was there a few years ago that was that was put out there. Um, but what, what I find interesting about it, though, is, like, I remember from my time at Ole Miss, I'm not going to use, like, any names or anything like that, but I had an instance where one of the kids that I was tutoring, I, like, caught him cheating. And it was a really, like, weird moral thing for me because I knew what happened to him if I said something, but I also knew that's, like, what you're supposed to do. And I reported it, and I, I, as far as I know, the kid actually ended up getting kicked off the team. And it was the weirdest thing to remember seeing him, like, at some point later in an event. And it was so awkward because he and I, like, got along. But, you know, I, I don't know whether he knew that I had said something or not, but it was definitely, like, you could feel the tension, you know. And it was, it was a tough moment because that was what I had to do. But also, you know, you felt bad for the person. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can certainly see where that's, you know, definitely not a situation or, or decision you want to have to make. But sometimes, you know, you, you, have to, you have to do it. Yeah, and so that was something where, like I said, I, I imagine that this guy, when the situation got brought to him, you know, he, he said something about it later, but I'm sure he – you know, had some hesitance about saying it right off the bat because it is, it's a daunting thing to have to think about. Mm -hmm. Right. You realize the impact it's going to have on that, on yeah. that person, but yeah, 
I mean, yeah, I certainly can empathize with that. And I mean, and I have no idea whether this person, if that's the reason they got kicked off or not, you know, but that's something that I know later I noticed they weren't on the team anymore. Mm-hmm. So, right. You never know, but definitely an interesting lawsuit from that regard. And then, you know, the next thing that we have in terms of NCAA scandals, and this isn't even really a scandal, this is more a rule change that we, we don't really understand. Uh, North Alabama right now is making the transition from Division Two to Division One, And in basketball, they are playing in their conference tournament, which generally if you played in your conference tournament final and you won, you'd get a ticket to March Madness. And right now, because they haven't been a D1 program for four years, they're playing Liberty, and whether or not they win their conference championship game in the tournament – Liberty is going to go because they're not eligible because they haven't been a D1 program long enough. And you and I were talking about earlier is how nonsensical this rule is and how unfortunate it is for someone that literally signs on to be in your program the first year that you're making this change. Yeah, I mean, you could play four years in North Alabama under this rule, under this ludicrous, ludicrous rule, I would add, and never make it to the NCAA tournament. I mean, the best you can do is win the conference tournament. So to me, it just makes no sense at all. I would love to hear a justification from the NCAA. Like, I mean, four years. I mean, what you got to me, you're either division one or you're not, you're division two. Like this is kind of this weird um, purgatory that they put these schools under. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you should be that when you make that change, when you're a Division II program and you become Division One, you should be eligible to win the national championship the next year. Why do you have to have this four-year gap where you can't do anything, where basically you're playing for no reason, you can go win every game, and it makes no difference whatsoever? It's a very strange rule that I don't understand what the point of it is. The only justification I can think of is maybe they want to prevent teams or schools from hopping around like back and forth like you know jumping into division one for like a year and it's not what they thought it was and going back and forth but to me you could fix that maybe a year but four years to me is just like just ridiculous four years is just punitive i mean at that point you're you're taking away one kid's entire chance that they sign right they've never been able to play for any kind of championship never been able to go to any kind of playoff and i mean if that's a commonly known thing, then how is that program even going to recruit that season? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's a significant issue that needs to get changed. I and mean, you hate that because, like, what if North Alabama goes out and beats Liberty, then their team won their conference tournament for no reason? Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, and it's not like an instance where there was probation, where, you know, there was somebody paying a player that caused the NCAA to come down. This is only because the program was trying to better itself, get more fan support, get more money, get more national publicity, try and improve their university, and you're going to punish them for that? North Alabama is doing something to better itself, to better its university experience for its students, and the NCAA punishes them for four years. That's a terrible rule. Yeah, I mean, when I first heard the story, I kept thinking, you know, maybe they're on like a postseason ban or something like that. But then I thought, wait, that's contradictory because they're playing in a postseason conference tournament. That doesn't make any sense. And then the more I heard about it, it's like whether or not they win this game, they're still not going to go to the tournament. 
I was thinking this is one of the most far-fetched, um, you know, unjustifiable rules that I've ever heard of from the NCAA. Like, I feel like they've done a lot of ludicrous things. To me, this is right at the top as far as just senseless. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's hard for me to think of one that even, like, equates to this. I mean, you can make jokes about the cream cheese rule and all those kind of things, which were bad. But this one, to me, has even worse effects because, I mean, you're really taking away a program's viability for four years because they're making the decision to better themselves. just makes no sense. Right. And, you know, speaking of things that, that don't make a lot of sense, Alabama's having a great year in basketball and is now the SEC regular season uh, tournament cha- regular season champion. And we're going to talk about their chances in the SEC tournament along with some of the other big-time conference tournaments in our next uh, segment. I want to thank everybody listening for the Dan and Joe Sports Show. You can catch all of our new episodes every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on Facebook Live. You can also catch all of our old episodes that are being uploaded on Spotify. If you search the Dan and Joe Sports Show on Spotify, all of our old episodes are available also available on Google Play and Apple Podcasts. And, of course, uh, you can also visit us on Twitter at DJ Sports Show. And, as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Jeff.